Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast where we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 77, recorded live August 11th, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and this week we have with us Mac. How you doing today, Mac? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Fighting a cold, but hey, I'm oh, that's, here. That's, that, that's never any good to, to fight a cold, because I know last week, uh, even though I don't think you were planning on diving, uh, you missed out at least on uh, Dive Saturday. That's true, but I can enjoy by listening to uh, what everybody else did. And I did go down there for the, the pre-dive brief, so I, I participated a little bit. Yeah, I don't think I've talked to you after that dive, have I? No, but I haven't talked to you since today either. There's <laughs> people on the wreck today. Oh, are they? Ooh, okay. Yes, sir. Excellent. So we got something to look forward to a little bit later in the program. Uh, we'll also have some articles in the news. We have uh, Another Reef, Never Get Up, Give Up Hope art exhibit attached to the Vandenberg, and it's not easy being green. We have a full news week this week. Uh, it's also a bye week for Claire, and then we're still giving Jim some grief, so we're hopefully going to get him back on real soon, uh, and we have an update on what he's been doing. So with no further ado, let's go ahead and run right into the news. The first article, we have we have a nice few people in the chat room. We have Dave and Andy, both from uh, the eastern side of the United States. So uh, we'll, we'll lead off with the first story, which is a destroyer sunk to create an artificial reef. And then, Mac, I just pasted in the news article for you. Did you happen to see that? Uh, you're on Skype? Yes, I yep. just found it. Okay. And I'll, I'll throw that one. I think I threw that one in. Yep, I got that one already into the chat room. And uh, the story, this is from uh, Baltimore. A decommissioned U.S. Navy destroyer has been sunk off the coast of Maryland to create the East Coast's largest Artificial reef. Um, it's going to be a huge economic boost, uh, bo- boast. boost for the Ocean City. Uh, Artificial reef coordinator for the Maryland Department of Natural Resources, Eric, said. Uh, they're expecting it to track bluefish, sea bass, whelkfish, sharks, tuna, and that will attract our charter fleet. Uh, after the Radford Street decommissioned and mothballed in Philadelphia, the Navy decided to make it available to artificial reef programs and awarded the Radford to three states in June 2010, after two and a half year application process, one former crew member said he is pleased to see his first and only ship getting a new life. It's good to see that she'll be used to give fishermen and divers new opportunities. It's honorable ending and a satisfying beginning. Uh, and then from uh, Dave in the chat room, he's saying that that was uh, sitting at 120 feet in sand. Uh, she was commissioned in 77, a uh, Spruits. Spruance class destroyer, 563 feet long. Sounds like an awesome wreck to go diving on. That, that that's a nice depth too. You know, yeah, because you and not too shallow, so wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't the the current and stuff would mess it up. But I'd like to dive that one. Yeah, 130 feet in the sand. So that's going to give you just in the beginning of tech. So you can do some tech training and and diving on it. Still, uh, recreation. You know, parts of it are going to be easily in a recreational area. You can 
pick your level and do your dive. I'm all for it. Let's go do that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to put together a group and we'll we'll go out there. I wonder. I wonder how how long of a boat ride that is. Yeah, I wonder how far offshore. Yeah, I've I've got a link I'll have in the show notes to uh, one of the dive boat operators, and uh, maybe we can take a look that up. But uh, my my bucket list keeps getting longer. Uh, I was listening to uh, Rich on Diver Sink, and he was talking about he went up to Isle Royal, and that sounded like just an amazing dive. So I, I keep adding new sites that I have to go dive on, and I'm I'm going to be running out of time. Well, you can't afford to dive because there's too many things to do. You're too busy. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the next article that we have up, this one was uh, not really scuba diving. It was a dramatic rescue. A boy is revived after being sucked out to sea. Uh, paste that into the chat room as well. Uh, and uh, the there's a photojournalist who took pictures, and you just look at those photos. And unfortunately, I've seen uh, similar situations like this where they haul people out of water, and you just look and you say, there's there's just no way. And this happened uh, last Friday afternoon. A large church group from Spanaway was visiting the beach off Cranberry Beach, approaching Long Beach, Washington. Um, there was uh, Shannon Kissel and her daughter Nicole were boogie boarding nearby when they saw two boy, boys in need of help. Uh, while they were able to retrieve one boy, they were not able to rescue uh, the other, whose name was Dale. He was caught in a riptide. It was about 10 minutes later when the surf rescue team arrived on the scene. Uh, 20-plus kids from the youth group were uh, understandably distraught uh, with their classmate out there. Um, It was 15 minutes or so before the rescue swimmer was able to locate the youth, and uh, they were able to grab him and pull him aboard a jet ski. Uh, Seconds later on shore, they carried him up to paramedics where they treated him. They were on the beach 10 minutes trying to revive him. Uh, At that point, you know, you, you would begin to start to lose hope. He was airlifted to Portland for treatment. Uh, they were able to get a weak pulse and get him breathing again. They then put him in a coma, uh, in a induced coma for a couple of days. He woke up. And as of August 9th, which was two days ago, they removed his breathing tube. Not only did he breathe on his own, but he spoke complete sentences. The boy was dead upward for 20 minutes. Uh, when the doctors removed the tube and uh, had him breathing on his own, uh, they, they, they asked him to cough and, uh, the boy responded saying, I really don't have to. So that is absolutely that is amazing. Freaking amazing. Yeah. Cause w- we hear stories like that in the cold water, you know, somebody going the ice, especially young kids. Uh, now there's something about the cold and being youthful, you know, usually under, you know, pre puberty, uh, the body is able to come back from some very amazing conditions. And, and I'm sure the water is a little chilly, but, uh, you just can't count on that. That's absolutely amazing. And then, uh, you know, they, they said he has, you know, there's there's possible brain damage, but uh, he's speaking clearly and they can't find any uh, neurological damage. But you just look at the photos. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I was looking to do a follow-up and I didn't find anything right off, meaning that's been, you know, a couple of days. But mm-hmm. hopefully he continued that uh, recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that just tells you that the, you, know, you can't give up hope and, you know, you, you know, how, how long, you know, hopefully we don't get in a similar situation, but you know, how long do you do CPR or rescue breathing? And I think the answer is until help gets there. Yeah. Never give up. That's the yep. thing in skydiving and applies to pretty much life. You don't quit. Yeah. The next one, uh, another uh, artificial reef, an art exhibit is being attached to the Vandenberg. Divers can see 12 oversized images from outside the ship 
at 93 foot depth. And, uh, you know, the Vandenberg, which is off Key West, um, is just an amazing wreck. I haven't been on it. Uh, we've, we've had a few people from the club on it. Yes, I believe so. But I haven't had a, a chance to get down there. That's the one I think I, you always see in the photos, the, the radar dish. Yeah. But well, it's, uh, it's interesting. It also is 120 feet. And it talks about it rises to 50 foot below the surface. So I imagine that other uh, item we just talked about earlier must be about the same. 120 feet comes up to 55 feet below the surface, thereabout. Yeah. And then, uh, so what this artwork is, is um, an artist and he has ethereal images contrast the industrial metal of the shipwreck with flowing human figures performing human activities. And uh, when you go through and look at the photos, uh, I'm going to again paste this article and we'll have the show notes. Uh, I, you can see some of the, the images and they're, what they are is they're superimposed on the wreck. So you see people doing stuff like hanging, handing out laundry or, or playing, but uh, they're superimposed on the wreck as it is flooded. Um, uh, once the images were created, uh, he started thinking how fascinating it would be if he could get them displayed on the ship. Um, uh, his New York producer was a project liaison during planning. She got in touch with the artificial reef organizers, Key West, and they started making plans. The images are encased in three millimeters of plexiglass, mounted in stainless steel frames sealed with silicone to keep the water out. Uh, sanctuary permitting officials and the city port director were kept apprised of the art project, its installation methods, says uh, Joe Weatherby, who worked for 12 years securing permits, raising money, preparing the Vandenberg for its May 2009 sinking. Uh, he met with uh, Joanne Delaney, who handles permitting for Florida Key West Marine Sanctuary. I become infinitely familiar with the permitting process for reefs. Boy, I meant to Joanne to be sure. She said that artificial restructures permits only needed to do something permanent if we we're going to do something that involved the ocean floor. He emphasized that no harmful materials were used to inst- in the installation of the exhibits. Now, that's interesting. Uh, if it's not permanent, I wonder if that's something. Uh, I know in the Michigan laws, because I've looked at, they've got, uh, you know, even something as simple as a, a concrete block with a hook on it uh, requires a permit. Yeah, I hear what they're saying, but, you know, as well as I do, they're after oh, yeah. the guys. If you're going to do something, you know, be uh, more than an anchor, you know, cement anchor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What they do to somebody who loses an anchor, you, you, you don't have to get a permit for that. Uh, we installed the images right where they were. Uh, all the dive boats and masters take their divers. Uh, they're along the weather deck and where divers can easily pull themselves along the railing that's there. Adding to 12 images are spaced along 200 feet of the ship, just aft of the midship, basically in the middle. Obviously, we're asking all charter operators not to let divers damage or deface the images. They're not permanent. We'll, we'll leave them up probably for a few weeks to see how people respond. The website, which is www.the-vandenberg.com, which is under construction, expect to be finished the next two weeks, will feature photos and videos of shipwreck installation the exhibit. The site also will include information about ordering prints from the images displayed on the wreck. So, would this be something that... Uh, you know, should be done on other wrecks? Makes you well, work. yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, initially, if I'm out there diving the wreck, I'm not going to have to wreck. It if was. I'm an experienced wreck diver, then that might be a nice side item, but that would not be my primary item down there, and I probably wouldn't spend a lot of time looking at it if it was my initial time to dive a wreck. Yeah, but it, it's always interesting. I'm always looking for something else, another <laughs> Okay, the next one is a man hopes to break the Guinness World Record at the Etka, spending more than eight hours underwater with one air tank. 
Scuba diving is usually. I know he does it. <laughs> you said you hope he does it. I want to know how he does it because they keep saying one oxygen cylinder as opposed to air. So, and I don't see any regulator in his mouth when he's in that plexiglass tank. Yeah. So I'd like to know the details. It says Mr. Wheatley of the Brisbane Dive Academy will make the attempt when submerged in a perspex tank containing 15,000 liters of heated water. He's doing it to help raise awareness and money for the Coronada Cornita based charity Montrose Access, which offers disability care for Queensland's children. Mr. Wheatley will have to remain underwater more than eight hours, 20 minutes, 38 seconds to beat the record held by South African Jacobus Jacob, who set the benchmark in 2007. So that's telling you that somebody else has already done it. When I first learned to scuba dive, I was getting 15 minutes from a tank of oxygen. This attempt will use the same size, but it's going to last me eight and a half hours. This means I should be using about 2.1 liters of oxygen a minute. I'm, I'm not a medical wow. person, so I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, I could see that if you rebreathed it enough. If you had oxygen, you took a breath and put it in a BC and then husband your breath or, you know, breathing off the BC a couple of drags and holding your breath, you could you could get a couple hours, but eight hours? I don't know. Well, the thing if you did it that way is uh, you'd be at risk of, uh, I mean, if you didn't time it right, you could uh, pass out. That's true, but I was just looking at the aspect. You got straight O2, you exhale, that's maybe 12% carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. You'd get probably conservative six breaths. Yeah. And then when you got the next new purge, that's O2, you just scrubbed anything that's bad. Yeah, that's that's still amazing. Uh, You know, a lot of it is uh, just going to be relaxing and breath control, plus... You know, the tank being uh, warm, you know, in warm water has to help as well. Well, hypothermia, you get cold, use more oxygen and air. So uh, you definitely want to have the warm water. But uh, it would still be interesting to see exactly how this was done the first time. Mm -hmm. I've been Googling that, and I'm not coming up with anything. Yeah, yeah. but A lot of people that name. Okay, and then uh, the next one is... It's not easy being green. Scuba divers get green certified. There is a new standard for scuba diving industry that promote to pro- the business that protects the ocean. Ocean First Divers, Scuba School International, Sustainable Travel International jointly designed a new green certification standard specific to the diving industry to protect the world's ocean. Uh, first, uh, Ocean First Divers have been working in earnest for the last five years to shift uh, the dive industry and establish a precedence for accountability and preservation. They've invested over 200,000 renewable energy retrofits that include solar PV panels, uh, photovoltaic, uh, thermal, high efficiency boilers, variable speed pool pumps, and a heat exchanger. So they're, they're talking about, uh, looks like their facilities also developed a wetsuit reclamation program and a carbon calculator for liveaboards. Uh, it is, as my passion grew for scuba diving, exploring the magic of her ocean, I quickly realized that the dive industry needed to thoroughly reevaluate the way it approached transforming customers into impassionate stewards for the very resource we as an industry developed for our livelihood. There's been a disregard for this fragile ocean ecosystem, developing personal accountability for it, says Graham Kaysen, owner of Ocean First Divers. Well, I bet he and Al Gore get along fine. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. 
you know, uh, you know, anything we can do to reduce the footprint, but, uh, you know, it, 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 you can't help but smell a little bit of money there. Can you? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the first one in. So, uh, certification for global substantial terrorism. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if you put together eight big words that then you're all set. Any, anytime I see the words shift the paradigm in the blank, 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 it's like, okay, you're trying to talk way above my head. Let's get it back down to my level, which is uh, pretty freaking low, I suppose. Now nah, you, you, you just need to sit in some of the meetings I sit in at work and you'll get used to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about used to it, but yes, I know exactly. <laughs> you, know, you, you get to, you get to hear an awful lot. So uh, we will track dive centers and dive operators from around the world to take part in the program, self-assess their current activities, proceed to higher-level certifications through the second and third-party evaluations. Certifications will provide customer degree of trust. These operators are doing everything they can to minimize impact, provide co- positive contributions to the environment, society, larger economy. Certification will also create stronger brand recognition as a sustainable operator, increasing the importance of today's conscience, conscious traveler. Okay. That's quite interesting. I just Google that just for fun, and it, it's quite involved. It's like United Nations Foundation, Global Sustainable Tourism. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on that. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that always gets me in a lot of these green pushes is I don't necessarily believe that the, the areas they focus on are really what makes the biggest impact. If you believe that certain things are going to harm the environment. Now, I, I believe you don't make them worse, but uh, when you look at the number of divers there are versus the number of things that they're doing across everything, you're getting such a small percentage when you could be going after larger things uh, that would have a greater impact. Uh, if you really want to get some interesting uh perspective i'm going to send you the link uh, i just looked up the uh preamble and the criteria mm-hmm. it's interesting it, it makes more sense if you read that so skype and i'll send that to you okay and the yeah, next just, article we have is patty is approaching 20 million scuba diving certifications and i say that's not enough i'm gonna say is that all well that's what i was thinking because <laughs> uh and they don't say anything in the article but uh, PADI, which stands for the Professional Association of Diving Instructor, which considers itself to be the world's largest scuba diving training and certification organization, announced Friday that the organization will issue its 20 millionth scuba diver certification. Uh, to celebrate the occasion, the organization will be presenting a Countdown to 20 Million campaign, and it will award the diver who earns a 20th million certification and the instructor who issues it a trip to Australia's Great Barrier Reef. That would be pretty swift. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Uh, that, that sounds good. Uh, the Patty organization started 35 years ago, has 135,000 active professional members worldwide, with a more than 6,000 affiliated retail outlets resorts. Uh, 20 million certification milestone easily makes Patty the most recognized name in the recreational scuba diving industry. So let's say Patty is the largest. Well, wait a minute. I, I wonder about that. I mean, because YMCA was first. Well, right, but they're no longer active, right? Well, I, I suppose. I'm just curious. I, I was going to say, I wonder how many Maui has done as well as Patty and YMCA. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, let's say Patty is a third. Let's say the Y was, if they didn't do 20 million, were about that before they stopped certifying. And then Maui, SSI, and everybody else is another 20. So that puts that over the last 30 years, you know, 
60 million scuba divers certified. That's that's not enough. You, you would hope there'd be a lot more. I mean, you figure how many billion people are on the planet. Well, I wondered, uh, did that just mean the USA or is that all around the, the world? Uh, I think it's uh, worldwide. Okay, then I would say that is a low number. Yeah, uh, yeah I just... Well, they have China. I'm just, that's just an off the, word, off the wall, but they got scuba divers in China. What are they certified to? I'm curious. Yeah, they, I... I I don't know. I I just was curious. That's sort of odd. Yeah, it just se- just seems like it should be higher. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm sure that's also not. That's probably including open water certified. So, uh, you're probably missing out on. There's probably twice that amount who have tried it between Discover Scuba and then uh, I think a res- would a resort course count. I would guess that probably wouldn't if you didn't actually get an open water certification. Uh, you're right. And I don't think you can get a PADI certification for a resort course. No, no, I, I think, I, I think they, I don't say they encourage it, but I think that they do allow for it as part of the discover scuba. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're right. If you count those, cause there's a lot of people who go down there and get that, uh, the short course, if you want to call it the course. Yeah. So that, that's gotta be, but yeah, just 20 million. I mean, I, I mean, it's a, now, anything like that's a milestone, but it just seems like it should be a whole lot more. So, uh, you know, maybe our goal should be that we need another 20 million in the next 10 years. So 10 years from now, Patty, we want to see 40 million certifications. I- I'm sure they're listening right now. And they're going to say, yeah, we're going to get right on that. <laughs> well, just like our dive club or any other dive club, you know, if you got 20 million divers, all you got to do is get one buddy and you got your 40 mil. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. May, uh, have an incentive. Next 10 years, everybody's got to bring one one dive buddy in. Or just one year. I mean, I'd like that. You know, for the dive club, I'd like to see everybody bring one new person in. Yeah. And Dave in the chat room pointed out, rightly so, the goal is not new certs, but getting them to keep diving. And that's for sure. On the, on the uh, As I keep saying, on my way into work, I pass uh, scuba plates all the time of people that I have never dove with. Uh, the next article we have is Scuba Community Thrives in Utah. Uh, they say uh, 70% of the world is underwater. We're really missing out, says uh, Tina Powell, instructor to Dive Utah in Ogden, who enjoys helping others see the unique fish, coral, and beautiful terrain and hear the unfamiliar sounds of submerged environment. One would think scuba diving would be very popular in Utah given the lack of ocean waters and coral reef. However, there's a thriving scuba diving community in Utah, mostly comprised of people who want to travel to other parts of the world but need a place to become certified before they head out. And, and it bothers me when I, I see these people treating diving as just something that you do to go dive someplace else. Because uh, we had uh, Shelly on last year, and there's there's places you can dive in Utah. And I wonder how Shelly has done now that you say that. After this much time, it'd be really neat to get a hold of her and say, what have you been doing, gal? I, I talked to her about two months ago, and I and I want to get her back on. Uh, it, it sounded like a lot of the challenges you have with new divers, you know, your dive buddy, uh, both her and her dive buddy had had uh, injuries, you know, undiving related that they had to work through. You know, that involved uh, either surgery or therapy that they had to get over. So uh, we'll try and get her back on. It'd be nice to hear what she's doing. But uh, when I was kind of poking her, I said, hey, you're going to get back in and dive. And it sounded like that was the plans of it. So, uh, yeah, we'll try and get her back on. Plus, we'd like to, if you know somebody who's getting ready to get certified, we'd love to follow somebody again. I That's a, a little thing I like to do every six months or so. Take You know, have a somebody who's getting ready to do their open water and follow them from uh, the beginning to the end. Uh, just just need to get us a couple weeks' notice so we can get them all scheduled, but we'd love to have them come on the show. 
Um, they said one of the disadvantages of diving in Utah is a lack of visibility, as divers can only see about 20 feet in freshwater. A uh, unique place, which is the one that uh, Shelley uh, was diving, was Homestead Crater in Midway, where there's a balmy 90-degree water. So that was the one that she was doing. And I think they also have that uh, salt. There's like a salt lake that they've got up there. So, uh, yeah, you, you can dive anywhere. if you. I mean, it's amazing where you see dive shops. And then this next article, and, and I, I heard you laugh, Mac, was at the, the 20-foot viz. <laughs> yeah, I'll take 20-foot in the river anytime. <laughs> yeah, 20-feet viz. Uh, and then this next article is kind of like, yeah, we told you. So water conditions make for great scuba diving in the Great Lakes. Um, and uh, they, they've got a shot of the video. Uh, we'll go ahead and paste that in the chat room. That'll be in the show notes. If you want to see some of the uh Great, great lake diving. You can go ahead and do that. Also, uh, another show that you can you might want to check out is uh, Talking Scuba, which is www.talking-scuba.com, and they've got some video. They've been they've been active the last uh, month or so and posting videos up there of some great diving. So go ahead and check them out. Uh, next up on the list is explorers uh, divers explore World War II sunken shipwrecks and aircraft. This is off Hawaii. Uh, scuba diving scientists this week explored sunken World War II era shipwrecks and aircrafts along the southern coast of Hawaii, the Hawaiian island of Maui. Survey team was producing scaled drawings, took photographs of ships of six shipwreck sites, including a carrier-based dive bomber, or I guess that's not a shipwreck but a plane, carrier-based fighter plane, and three amphibious assault vehicles with two mounted 75-millimeter howitzers. Uh, the documentation documentation is used to evaluate wrecks for deterioration. Helps them identify when artifacts have been moved or go missing. The two-week survey was conducted by uh, NOAA, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, and the University of Hawaii. So uh, it was a good opportunity for them to get some students in the water and try out some of the skills in documenting. Well, and I'm there's... just looking at the pictures they had there. The visibility is pretty decent. You saw the ones on the landing track vehicle. Yeah. That, that's pretty good viz right there. Yeah, well, I'd take that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I would put that in about a 100-foot viz range right there. Yeah, you're probably right there. At, at Helldiver, I'd like to see that one. That's a nice-looking thing. I mean, it's all beat up, and we, it's not like zebras, but it's got all sorts of stuff on it. But it would still be neat to look at, let me tell you. Oh, I like I, yeah. Until I've dove on about eight or nine times and come bored with it, I think that would be okay. <laughs> And then last up in the news, and uh, being kind of a history buff, especially when it comes to underwater, is uh, this one of uh, a bridge. So it's uh, the article's uh, a blog boasting scuba diving in a lake, uh, Barry Issa's history. Uh, most people know that the town of Monticello is submerged beneath Lake uh, Barisa. I wouldn't say most people, but I guess if you live out there. Uh, they've also seen the photo of the old town and the famous Puta Creek Bridge, an engineering marvel in its day. It was titled the Queen of Stone Bridges. It was constructed in 1896 and became the largest stone bridge west of the Rocky Mountains. Very few people living today have ever seen it or crossed over it. It had three arches, each spanning 70 feet, extending down into bedrock. The bridge totaled 298 feet in length, rose 42 feet above the water, uh, above the low water at the center of the span. Stones were uh, cemented with cement mortar. Stone blocks used withstood testing of 8,000 to 12,000 pounds per square inch. They used 675 barrels of cement, 380 barrels of lime, 55,000 feet of lumber for uh, false work, as well as tons of iron. Each stone, uh, arch stones are three feet, six inches deep, 12 
and 316 inches and the crown 11 inches at the base. They used 2,600 loads of rock. Each load comprised 5 to 10 cubic yards of material. The bridge cost $19,980. Would you like to guess what that would cost today? Oh, this? Uh, You'd probably be, well, let's say you built it this way. It would probably be, I don't know, $20 million? I think of a lot. You're right. It's like, that's, yeah. that's amazing. But the thing about it is if you built a bridge like that, you could have that two, 300 years from now. Well, it's like I go to Europe and you look at their structures and they've been there two or 300 years. It's like, I mean, yeah. we can't even make a concrete bridge across the St. Joe River that five years later looks like it's falling apart. And yeah. they're rebuilding it again. Yeah. Well, to get yeah. sidetracked uh, on Facebook, there's a forum on Bering Springs, and I've been capturing all the bridge photos. And it's amazing how many bridges have been at that one spot where the oh, ferry, yeah. ferry was. Yeah. The old humpback bridge, the temporary bridge that was probably there for 50 years. Uh, and they, they just, none of them lasted all that long. And it looks like everyone they put in to repair the one before it was of less and less quality. So hopefully the one they put now will last a little bit. Well, anyways... Back to this article, there's a group of divers who want to go down there and uh, see if they can find that bridge and dive some of the structures. So there's a diver and her friends uh, are Trimex and Tech divers. Uh, they do uh, advanced diving technology dive team, high tech uh, uh, for extreme divers ready to further explore the world of technical diving, and they use Trimex. Um, they had a chance, they have set a goal to, to scuba dive the bottom of the lake and will document and photograph the Puta Creek Bridge and possibly remains of the old town of Monticello. I also like to find the newer 1941 Chappelle Creek Bridge near uh, the public lawn trap, which is actually above water in the early 1900 drought. Well, that one seems like that would be pretty easy to find. I don't see why you couldn't find this bridge. I mean, obviously you had photos, then you had a map before it was that. Why could you not? You know, yep. Eric shots of it. It's got to be some history for that. Yeah, they said they searched uh, historical maps, late map, uh, maps, uh, Bureau of Reclamation Records, USGS data, bridge experts. They've checked lake levels over the year, everything. Uh, when they've gone, the few times they've been able to go down, which, you know, I'm guessing since they're talking trimix, that they're probably got to be in the 150 plus range where this bridge is. Yeah, they really didn't say. You know, they, they talked about the bridge itself, but why did it flood? What did they, you know? Well, well, my my guess is, uh, and, and I probably should have done a little bit more research on this, but that this ha- this is probably a dam project because it sounds like they relocated the town. Could you imagine what kind of plan that went in? You go and build this bridge, and then you later go, oh, well, yeah, we're going to flood it. But, you know, 1896, that's about the time when a lot of this these type of projects are being done. Yeah, I'm looking at the bridge here with the horse going over it, and I'm looking at the picture under it, and that's pretty flat out there. I mean, it's sort of hilly, the the third picture down. Mm-hmm. So that it, it doesn't seem like that would be really, really deep there. Yeah. Well, then also, I mean, we've seen, because they mentioned they had gone out with scanners and depth finders, but it seemed like that would be something that you could fairly easily figure out. You should have GPS to get you within a couple hundred feet at worst. And then a side scan should be able to paint that up. I would think so. Yeah. The only thing is maybe it's not there anymore. I I don't know why it wouldn't be, though. Yeah. Uh, I can't I think, think of it either. For that, that's a substantial structure. Uh, unless, like you're thinking, perhaps since that's, 
you know, that, that would be a dip that that would fill up with sediment first. Then I could see it maybe because that would be the low spot. Yeah. They said they've been calculating lake levels and now determining depths after runs over the area of the fish and depth finders and tow fish. We found some interesting spikes that are out of place along the bottom. Uh, also talking to people. The dive team will go away in October to do cave diving in Florida. They want to develop as much information before they leave. They plan to dive lake uh, in November when the boat traffic is way down, which in a way that kind of makes sense. Maybe they only got a couple dives in and then the dive season was over with. Yeah, but like you said, I'm, I'm looking like even at that top picture there, uh, you can see the trees and uh, it seems like uh, that'd be awful. Yeah, that's either got to be one huge reservoir. Okay, it is. Let me tell you, I just Google lake, the lake itself. Uh-huh. That's in uh, Napa County, California. I'm looking at an aerial photography of it, and I can see why they can't find it. <laughs> oh, it's that big? Well, it, it's big, but it's like it's not a, a narrow feature. Uh, I'm going to send you a link on that because if you looked at it, if you're interested, because I was curious, how come you couldn't find it? And uh, now I know why you just can't find it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can I can see. Like, I, I, yeah, I see now. <laughs> so did you look it up also? Yeah, I had it looked up as you were talking. I was I was in there looking at it, and that is not a tiny. Okay, max depth is 275 feet. Uh, width is three miles. Length is 15.5 miles. So if it's 15 miles long, three miles wide, you should be able to find out where the road cut into it. And then, like you said, if I did a scan, I can't believe you can't find that bridge. Well, also, where's a bridge going to have been? It's going to be in the lowest spot in that valley because that's where yeah. the water, the natural water level would have been. So if you can map uh, out the old lake bed somewhere. Yeah. Plus, that yeah, seems I, like – go ahead. That would going to be an interesting project. That would be sort of fun. It's, it's easy to second-guess them sitting oh, here. Yeah. But looking at the top picture of the aerial photo, I can see it's not quite that simple. Oh, well, yeah. We've, we've dove in much smaller pieces of water and things we thought were much better known. And not found them. <laughs> yeah, in 15 feet of water, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that also seems like that'd be one where you might spend a little bit of time with a anchor or a grapple and be able to snag the bridge, wouldn't you? Well, I think my side scan would pick that up. I mean, 15 miles long, I can go that whole length. I, I should be able to find it. Not overnight, maybe, but uh, that would be fun. That would be a great one. Well, that does it for the news. Uh, we, we put that one to bed. Kind of a, a long article, but that, that last one, I really liked the archaeology. So uh, I understand you've been fighting a cold. Uh, so yeah. since we last talked, have you been in the water? No, I well, other than the shower and the tub, that's about that. <laughs> well, I'm sure some are glad for that. I have been missing a lot of opportunities. Um, nothing. I, I think there's cold. nothing worse. Has it been a cold? Say what? Has it been a cold? Uh, I think I started out like uh, a couple of other people had that sinus infection, mm-hmm. and it turned into a cold or something. Then settled in my chest. I thought it was over, and it's back. So I'll hit the doc tomorrow. See what she got to say. Mm. I got all the next week planned by God, so it can't screw me up there. Oh, what, what do you got? You got something planned for next week? Ken is off next week, and we always like to do stuff the week he's off. Oh, really? Yeah, so we'll we'll probably hit Indian Lake. Well, you know, last time we did some detecting, then we went gold hunting, mm-hmm. uh, panning for gold, and that might be another option again. That, that was fun last time, but Indian Lake has got a few things we'd like to uh, put to bed. That one boat, for example. Yeah. And I'd love to see if the engines on it. That would be awesome. And then there's a, a couple of the spots around South Bend we need to be looking at, both for monetary aspects, such as uh, metal detecting for gold. Oh, uh, okay. But a nice bottle catch 
cash uh, in an area there that we need to be looking into. That's going to be more of a, a winter project, though. Mm-hmm. More of the well, November, uh, October. Yeah. 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 When the and, when the river traffic slows down. Right, and maybe get the, a little more invisibility. But I'm looking forward to going to where we think there may be some old and interesting models. Yeah. Yeah. We. I'm, I'm looking forward to some diving, but I am going to have a dry suit long before that. At least I'm hoping. That's what I'm telling myself. Gotta get That's to this. Made of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Uh, you know, uh, wetsuit diving in uh, flowing current in 33 degree water was, I mean, it was doable. It was worth it. I mean, I would empty a tank, but I'm ready we for not being cold. Last year, but you're right. I think if we had some dry, we'd be there a good bit longer and a little more often. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm almost thinking that, you know, if I had a dry suit and I was warm, uh, you know, who's to say we couldn't do two tanks? Gosh, wouldn't that be something to a two tank dive oh. in the winter? We could actually get 50 minutes out of a tank down there as opposed to 20 minutes before you froze. Yeah. So since we're talking about dry suit, uh, I heard a rumor that uh, Mr. Kleeman uh, picked up a dry suit. Uh, really? A, a used one down at the local dive center. So uh, he's got to adjust some of the wrist seals on it. Uh, uh, he was, had it to where when he held his hand up, it was uh, burping for him automatically. I told him that was the the uh, the green way of doing a, a wrist dump but uh is that the one he dove uh out on the wreck with us yes yeah oh okay so sounds he like he's keeping sound- it ah yeah so now that that puts the pressure on me and then i <coughs> can do the guilt trip of my wife telling her that i have to absolutely have one so as soon as we got we got fair week this week in uh Berrien county michigan so if you're in the area and you want to see a youth fair that's an amazing youth fair but as soon as that's over all Extra funds are being diverted from horses to diving. But uh, I did get a dive in this last week. I went out with, uh, you, you gave us a pre-dive briefing as you were snuffling and croaking. Uh, and we went out and dove uh, another one of the wreck sites this this weekend and had a blast. And, you know, visibility wasn't, I mean, I've seen it better, you know, especially when I was down the bottom mucking it all up. But uh, what was neat is we were able to get some uh, good measurements. And then did you hear that I found a uh, a new object there on the, the wreck yeah, site? About 20, yeah, about 20 feet aft of the, uh, the rudder post. Uh, it was uh, probably about 20 feet ports. If you do a perpendicular line to the center line of the ship, it was probably 5 to 10 feet forward of the rudder post. Okay. And I was – and – you know, we I had the front of the uh, the bow of the ship pretty much mucked up as I was brushing stuff away just to kind of uh, get a little bit better view of, of that. I double took some measurements, uh, which confirmed the measurements that other people had. And uh, what was neat is as you got back to the part of the wreck where I wasn't stirring anything up, visibility was as good as it had been the probably the previous week. So I was going to peg that at... 60 feet conservatively, but probably 80 feet. And, uh, but I, I saw something just rise out and I'm like, you know what? I got to go for it. I had plenty of air. I swam over to it and there is something there and I can't. How far off the bottom? Uh, about six to about five to seven inches off the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, the zebra mussel encrusted. Um, and, that, and that's the thing is there's so many zebra mussels out there away from the wreck that you can see them laying there kind of in piles. And I'm like, that. I just got to check that out. And uh, it's a board and a round object. So. 
looking forward to going down and look. I know last week I did. I wound up on the stern, but uh, there, there's more targets. Oh, yeah. Um, it sent some uh, shots out to a couple of people. I don't know if you were on it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were out last time, of other targets. Yep. yep. And uh, since then, I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, the initial one we were looking for last year, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Uh, an interesting friend I ran into today sent me his logbook. I didn't realize I had dove that with him. Oh. On his logbook, he gave me the coordinates and a picture of the bottom. Ah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to go back out tomorrow. Tomorrow, huh? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not Maybe not to dive it, but to at least confirm. And then I heard another rumor nobody told me about. Oh, uh, oh uh, was that the buoy? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't talked to you since then. Yeah, we were, we were motoring out and... Uh, it's just one of those fluke things. I mean, not. I mean, uh, I was driving the boat because Jim was working on some. Uh, uh, this Jim Schulte is working on a little project, and uh, we uh, Ken was uh, driving behind us, and he wasn't keeping up, so we we slowed down, and right where I stopped was it looked like a red balloon floating in the water, and I mm-hmm. and we kind of pointed out, and we're like, nah, it's a red balloon, but you'll not be able to leave it, and there was a number on it which didn't correspond with the depth that it was at, but there was a line on it. And uh, it seems like that spot, I've seen boats with dive flags up diving in that location before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we know that there, and it's our goal of 20 wrecks within 20 miles of St. Joe. I think that's, uh, I think we, we we're, we're getting ready to increase some of those numbers. Oh, absolutely. So, but yeah, that was a great dive. Now, one thing that's interesting, and on the Scuba Obsessed website, you can head over there and uh, click on dive conditions, and we've got a link to the buoy. Uh, There's a buoy out there, and it kind of confirmed what we felt. When we went down on Saturday, it got cold really quick. The surface was 76 degrees at least, but when you hit 20 feet, you hit the thermocline, and it was 49, and it got colder from there. What was it at the bottom, do you remember? I think it was like 46, 47. Well, the thermocline today was 54 feet, and it was 73 degrees. Can you believe that? Well, and that's what we're noticing. When you look at that chart, it's like every three days, it's like the hot water gets almost to the bottom. And then the the bottom temperature today was 50 degrees. Wow. The scary thing about that that's telling me that we might not have viz. uh, 80 plus. 80 plus viz? Today. Oh, yeah. Now, I think that I thought we were going to have an inversion layer based on last week, uh, looking at the numbers. And for him to come back and say, nah, he had at least 80 feet is outstanding. Yeah, Dave, Dave in the chat room says, need a buoy that reports depth conditions. This one does, Dave. Uh, 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 head over to the Scuba Obsessed website and click on the the dive conditions in that buoy. And it shows you the uh Every so many feet down, was it every six or eight feet? It's got uh, a, about 13 feet or so. 13 feet, yeah. And it does it. And uh, they got some pretty graphs, but I find that the pretty graphs, the the like the rainbow graph, isn't as accurate as the uh, the other one. But uh, it just kind of validates some of the stuff we've always thought about it. But yeah, I'm I, I can't wait to get out of there. I've I've told my wife that it's uh, time to go uh, do some uh, some dive, and she's gonna be checking the kids in. Yeah, I just put that, uh, the location for that station, uh, if you want to put it there so somebody can look at it, that'll be one of the areas. It's a nice buoy. I'd love to have those all over the place. Well, right. I'm wondering how much, I mean, yeah, it's always crazy and I'm dreaming, but how much it would be to, to get one of those. Because um, well, well, why not put, you know, we got moorings 
why couldn't you just combine a mooring with a buoy and have it do both? Well, I figured the money for that, that's, you're talking a lot of thousands of dollars. I mean, just looking at the depths today, at 13 feet, it was 75. At 20 feet, it was 75. 29 feet, it was 75. 36 feet was 75. 42 feet was 74.9. 49 feet was 74.6, 55.77 feet was 74, and at 62.34 feet, that's a weird number for those thermistors, it was 73.4. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. So all of you saying you won't dive in Lake Michigan because it's cold, you're missing out. Come on up now. It is August. We'll have these temperatures all the way through September, provided we don't have some crazy storm. Yeah, well, water temperature on the surface was 77. Oh, yeah. The wave height was 0.9 feet today with a periodicity of the wave at 3.9 seconds, which is, like, nice. Yeah. So fresh water with 80 feet visibility, where do you see that type of visibility without going in the middle of the mountain somewhere or in a cave? Up yeah. north. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you don't have to rinse the salt off your BC. Oh, uh, that's so nice. Yeah, it, it's just great. So you're missing out. You got to come on, come on to the Great Lakes and do some diving. Oh well, let's see. So yeah, and, I, and I, I'm going to get out this weekend, one way or another. I got to crowd Jim and and get him to dive. This I think weekend. the plan is uh, Saturday if they can. I think that's supposed to be the better of the two days. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Makes sense. So I think uh, David F will be out there, and I think uh, Ken will be available. Probably uh, Jim. I think. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to twist some people's arms, so we're going to get a, a good group out. So, uh, also, we did have a five-star review. We've been trying to cover it for the last uh, three podcasts and just had technical problems. So, in advance of the show, see, I do do some show prep. Uh, I went out and grabbed it. So, here's what it is, one of our last five-star reviews on iTunes. And uh, it is by uh, Mr. Clearwater. And is it, you know is is that a real name? I mean that's cool if it is. That's a great name for a scuba diver. Clearwater. CCR. Yeah, yeah, CCR. And this one was from July, so it took us a little bit of time to get to it. It says Darren and Jim question marks. Who is that guy? Some guy, but Mac does a great job filling in. I love hearing about the wreck diving and the grubbing you guys do as a newer diver who got his open water in uh, June 25th and 26th and started on his advance at 26th as well. And he'll be completing it up on Saturday, July 9th. So that means he's already an advanced open water diver. So congratulations. I downloaded all the 2010, 2011 podcast to catch up only to, uh, and it, it only took me a week or two. It was kind of fun to listen to all the earlier ones and get kind of a history of the group. Hope to start listening live on talk shoes so I can keep up the good fight. Looking forward to diving with you guys someday. Uh, and uh, it's our clear water. So uh, thank you so much. You can go out there and we love the five-star reviews. Also, uh, check out TalkShoe. We don't normally talk about TalkShoe, but that's how we record live. So you can get the chat room and participate live uh, via TalkShoe. If you go to TalkShoe, you can leave a review there as well. And also you can sign up. We uh, do send out links. I'm getting ready to put in together a newsletter, but I've got about seven or eight scuba website projects all kind of going at the same time. So i uh, just been kind of a, you know, I'll have a lot of stuff all released probably all at once. And then on Facebook, we've had some, uh, some, some good information. Uh, some of the articles this week came from some of our Facebook listeners. Uh, we had, uh, 
you know, Craig, and I'm, I need Craig to, or Craig, I'm, I'm, he says I'm saying it wrong. So I love him to do is uh, go ahead and send me an MP3 of a pronounce it correct way. And every time I say your name, I'll just hit a button and, and insert it into the program. Also on the mud club dive, I don't know if you saw this Mac, uh, somebody was making a comment on Campbell Lake. He said, I've heard there's an abandoned aquatic tank submerged on the lake, in the lake. Know anything about that? Okay, which lake was that one? Campbell Lake. Okay, I know the one they're talking about. All I'll say is, can you say airplane also? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't say anything. Uh, also, I've been playing around with uh, Twitter, uh, not Twitter Plus, uh, Google Plus. And that seems to be a great place for sharing photos. So there's some great underwater photography that's amazing uh, out there and that people are being shared. So uh, the Google Plus uh, bandwagon's picking up steam. Uh, I can, you know, you can send me an email if you want to get an invite to Google Plus. I have plenty of invites I can send out. You can send those requests to the show at scubaobsessed.com. Also, if you have any comments, uh, any suggestions, go ahead and leave them there. And I think that uh, about does it for another week. You got anything you'd like to plug or talk about, Mac, before we call this one done? Samoa. That's the key word. You know, I, I was looking at, you know, that's I'm glad you mentioned that because you can go, uh, everybody who visits the website gets listed. And uh, I, I looked at the map and there's a little red dot out there. And I'm like, wouldn't that be irony if uh, before uh, your daughter got one that we had one on Scuba Obsessed, but it wasn't, it wasn't Samoa, it was Hawaii. So, you know, within a couple thousand miles. So, and also if you go and you want to put your pin in our map, you can go to Scuba Obsessed, click on over to the About and the Scuba Fans link, and you can go put your, your pin. We get new people each week putting their pin in the map. You can see where everybody in the world uh, listens to the show. And we've got kind of like a little arc going. If you look and you connect all the dots, you can see there's like a little arc that goes from California up to the Midwest, the East Coast, uh, hits the UK, France, Spain, Egypt, then down through Indonesia and Australia. So we got this like little red arc of diving. So like to make that map a little bit more red. Uh, one place that we're absent, and maybe just because there's not English speakers down there, but is uh, South America. We don't seem to have uh, many listeners down in South America. So uh, you... I don't. I'm sure there's a lot of divers down there. I, I, I've talked to some people who are off the West coast of South America. What's that? Is that Brazil there? Well, there's some, uh, there's some, actually some nice diving there. Uh, not quite South America, but, uh, uh there's uh yeah, Costa Rica and Belize. which has got some great diving. Yeah. So, and then, uh, we've got, uh, some diving coming up. Oh, the, another thing that reminds me of, uh, Rich Sinewick from divers sink and divers incorporated, is going to be coming up and uh, visiting us in the middle of the week uh, at our next, uh, on our September Dive Club meeting, I believe it is, isn't it? Oh, excellent. That, that I don't know, but I'm glad you said that. That'll mean the 20th? Yep, the 20th. Okay. So he's coming up for that. What I need to do is, is talk him into uh, staying for a couple of days, or maybe I take the dot, we take the day off uh, on Friday of that week, and uh, we'll get him out on some of those wrecks on this side of the state. After listening to him talk about Isle Royal this last week, I think he's going to be disappointed in some of them because it sounded like he had some absolutely amazing dives up there. Well, Isle Royal is really nice. Uh, Tobamori is a really nice place if you want to go to. Yeah. It does spoil you, though. You get used to the big things and visibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I've started in mud, so from there everything is clear. <laughs> yes. If you have low expectations, you'll be fine. <laughs> 
Well, that's what I had when we went up to Sheboygan, and that was an absolutely amazing dive. And he has said he's coming up for Sheboygan as well. Oh, well, that's going to be one of the prime things to talk about at uh, the meeting on Tuesday. Uh, I mean, because we're going to have a little shift of who's going and who isn't. But uh, I do plan on being up there. I'm going to do the river. I plan on doing the uh, the rubble wreck. And I'm going to go playing, dig, doing my dig over there in that one corner. Yep. yep. If I can get on a wreck with a boat, that'll be great. I'd love to hit the Cedarville again. Spent 30 years. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to get up there and do that. But, yeah, he's planning on coming up. Uh, for Sheboygan, he said going to be there. He said he probably can only make Saturday and Sunday, but that will be fine. I Jim Kleeman, last I talked to him, was planning on at least Saturday, Sunday. I'm uh, planning on to- bringing his boat up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it up early or not. Kind of depends on carpooling arrangements. No sense in having 30 vehicles up there. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get more details on Tuesday. Yep. Yep. And um, so that leaves us. Uh, it's that time of the show. You ready? Oh, I'm I'm holding onto my arms of the chair. A scuba diver goes to his doctor because he's been feeling ill and sluggish for days. The doctor examines him, leaves the room, and comes back with a large assortment of pills. He says, take the green pill with two glasses of water when you get up. An hour later, take the white pill with another glass of water. Then take the blue pill with a big glass of water after lunch. Mid-afternoon, take the orange pill with plenty of water. Repeat that at dinner. Then just before going to bed, take the red pill with several big glasses of water. Uh, he was alarmed by the huge volume of medicine he was given to take, and he nervously asks, what's the diagnosis? What's wrong with me? Doctor says, you're dehydrated. <laughs> uh, so, on that, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. Yeah, we got a we got a boo hiss from the uh, chat room. All recording has been completed.